welcome everybody. I am Greg Esposito. He is Zach Clark, and this is Pardon the Screaming here on the No Character Limits Network. And I'm excited to tell you guys about this new podcast. I know Zach is too. This is a show about two first-time dads, Zach and I, trying to figure out how to be sports fans while taking care of the kid as well. Zach, how are you, man? I'm doing really well, Greg, and I'm just as excited as you are. You and I have been threatening to work together for a long time now, and it's finally great to get on the ball and get this rolling. I'm pumped. Yeah, and I'm glad that they're, that we're doing it on the internet so we can screw up here before <laughs> I come down to your show on uh, ESPN Tucson and really do some damage at some point. So. You know, give ourselves a warm-up here. I'm, I'm with it. I'm well, ready. You know what? I got to tell you, I am about six months away from being a dad. I'm thrilled and terrified all at the same time. And you and I have been talking about doing a podcast together for a while and it hit us. You know what? We share this in common. You're a recent uh, first time father. I'm about to become a first time father. We're both sports fans have, have worked in the industry. Why not combine the two into a kind of a unique perspective? I think it's great. And I'll be honest, I never would have thought that you'd be able to combine the two. Usually you try to work one into the other or fit one around the other one. I think this is perfect. I think that what we have here is something that um, is really interesting and something that is really unique. And I think that people will, as they go through this with us, will learn a lot about not only you and I, but sports in general. It's going to be fun. All right. Well, I had my first real, holy crap, I'm going to be a dad moment All right. this past weekend. We went to register for baby shower again. Did you get the guns? Did you get the like the laser guns? We did. Yes, we did, excellent. Which, which they're not as cool as they used to be because now they're basically iPhones in a little holster with the scanner connected to it. So I, I didn't get to play, you know, the old West where I could pull out of the holster and go to town on things. But it became very apparent. A couple of things became very apparent to me while going through this process. One, the baby shower is not for me in any way, shape, or form <laughs> because no video games or electronics of any form, or DVDs or Blu-rays made it on the list, despite my best efforts. I got I got matumboed on that by the misses. It did well, not happen. Well, see, what I tried to do, and I had the same problem, I also got matumboed. I tried to take my registry gun out of the store so I could point at other things, <laughs> and they quickly stopped me in the parking lot and told me that I had to come back in. Uh, so the, I, I empathize. The other thing that, that became apparently clear is... Baby items are weird. I came across, <laughs> I, I tweeted a photo of this, and you can check it out on, on my Twitter feed, at Espo. It's a device that basically is a straw, uh, a flexible straw that you jam in your child's nose and then suck the snot. Oh, yeah, I saw that nose. one. I got to be honest. I, I love my daughter already, but I wouldn't do that. I don't, not a chance that I'm doing that. If the missus, Wants to do that. More power to her, but I'm not doing that. Why, you know, it's, I mean, it's why, why do you have to do that? I mean, they make they make devices where it does the same thing, but you, you use your hand to pump. I don't I don't know why you have to use your mouth. I, I, I don't, don't I don't, I don't get understand. it either. Why can't the kid come out knowing how to blow its own nose? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I mean, it, well, yeah, it, the, it's the such a miracle. It's such a miracle that this thing's born. You think it'd have some basic skills already programmed. <laughs> yeah, and you'll find out as you go through that the skills 
are far more basic than I mean it's amazing that that as babies you end up becoming a fully functioning adult. It's stunning. Well, I'm I'm pretty sure our two kids probably won't become fully functioning adults <laughs> based on what I know about each of us. But when I'm go, when I'm going through this process with my wife of registering for the baby shower, it really felt like it, it was a version of fantasy sports where you've got to kind of build your draft list of, of what you want, but then rank it. So I thought this was a great first topic here on Pardon the Screaming. Yes. Where... We can rank, we can give our baby shower power rankings for for the baby registry. We're going to do top three. I say we start with number three. I'll give my number three. You give your number three, and we can kind of talk about it. Then we'll move to two and one. And yes. number three on my power rankings for baby registry is the swing for the baby with the phone app. And I think you got to have the phone app because I am lazy. So if I am on the couch... Watching a Cardinals game this fall, I don't want to have to go over and change the setting. I want the ability to do it right from my phone. And everything I've heard is this swing is a lifesaver. You can put the kid in there. It calms them. They can sit there. They're entertained, especially when they're real young. And I can control it from my app. See, we have one of those. And I was told the exact same thing. And the app is great. You can control the speed. You can control the little mobile that spins above the light. Um, you can play. So when we first got this thing, we had a lot of fun with it because it also syncs up to your music. <laughs> so you can play like, you know, nursery rhymes or you could play Bone Thugs in Harmony as loud as possible and get the side eye from your wife, um, which, you know, I wouldn't know anything about. But see, the thing is, our son doesn't like the swing. It, so we, we spent all this money on this thing and everybody says it's great. And I'm sure that we're in the minority here. But man... He can't stand it. I was devastated. I thought that was going to be the thing that worked, and it wasn't. But at least you got a great Bluetooth stereo now. Absolutely. I have a ton of fun with it. <laughs> I have more fun with it than he does. We've got to get our money's worth out of it. Okay. We've got to use it. So so you're the experienced one here. You're, you're not the novice in this. What was your number three okay, on your so, ranking? Right. So I have, and you had this on your list too, I have the, the stroller car seat combination. One of the things that I have learned in this process is that when the baby falls asleep, the last thing you want to do is have to really move the baby. I mean, if you have to pick up a large thing holding the baby, that's okay. So what, so what ours does is this, the car seat comes right out of the base and it fits right into the stroller. So I don't have to actually take him out of the car seat to put him in the stroller and vice versa. And it, it really helps you if the car is one of the things that puts your baby to sleep, this will help you get the baby inside without waking the baby. And that is, to me, insanely valuable. So my number three is the car seat stroller combination because it is awesome. All right. It appears on my list. It's not my number two. So you obviously know the car seat stroller combination is my number one. I'll give you my thoughts on that when we get there. But for sure. me, the number two is the baby Bjorn. Is that the holder? It is the holder. It's not It's not uh, music by Bjorn for your baby. No, it is, the, <laughs> it is the holder. And I actually think this is the sleeper on my list because, you know, the last thing you want to do is limit your ability to take care of other things while taking your child around. And mm. I heard that kind of skin-to-skin closeness is huge in those first six months. So you can accomplish that. Keep the hands free for nachos, beer, whatever you need during the game 
Or I guess if you got to take the kid out, you can do it too. But I'm thinking this is a sleeper on the list and might sneak up to my number one spot after I've had the kid for a little while. It just seems to make too much sense for me. And you're right there. And the thing is, kids also are deceptive. You know, they talk about in sports deceptive speed, which I never, I'm sure I understand that. Either you're fast or you're not. I don't get that. But with this thing, kids are deceptively heavy. And you hold them for a while and they just seem to get heavier and heavier. And of course, as they get bigger, they do indeed get heavier and heavier. So this is a good one. You're absolutely right. That's a, that's a quality selection right there in the middle of your list. All right. Well, what's number two on yours then? Well, excuse the pun here. You said your number two is a sleeper. Mine is as well. It is the crib. And especially when we talk about the baby registry, because the assumption there is you didn't buy it. And the crib is one of the more expensive things on the list. So if you can get somebody to buy said crib for you, you end up in really good shape down the road. So I, I kind of – and the crib is also important, something that – you're going to use for a long time. And in fact, our crib is something that you can convert into like a small bed. So when he gets older, you can still use it. So not only does it last a long time, but it was really expensive and somebody else bought it for us. See, so I have crib at number two. That's a smart move. You get the dual use out of it. And I'll be honest, it would have made my list if my in-laws hadn't already got us a crib before I went to the registry. So I cheated. Okay. It didn't make my list because we didn't need it on our registry. But I think it's a solid number two. I said what my number one is already. It's the car seat stroller combo for every reason you gave. And I just think it's like that utility player that you can use for so many different things. It had to be number one on my list. What was number one on yours? My number one may come as a surprise, but it is clothes. And one of the things you'll find out is that not only do you go through clothes at an insane rate, is that when you talk about like you buy a shirt, and I buy a shirt or I buy pants. I'm not getting any taller. It's a sad, sad truth, but I'm short and I always will be. But our son is always growing. We go through outfits like crazy. And so you get them in newborn, three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, whatever. And we have bought a ton of clothes, but it's just you can never seemingly have enough. And so thankfully at our shower, we got a bunch of clothes. And so it limited having to buy them and having to keep up with how fast he's grown. So my number one is clothes, which that even surprised me a little bit. But the more I think about it, the more it, it's got to be right there. See, your pants uh, analogy, that you're not getting any taller. My problem is I am getting wider during this pregnancy. I've gained like 10 sympathy pounds just because when she doesn't want to finish something, she goes, here, take the rest of yes. this. And I am now doing double duty. I'm eating for three. I'm eating for her, the baby, and myself now. So I might need to get clothes higher up on my list, but for myself. Same thing happened to me. Same exact thing. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad I'm not alone no. in that. Why don't, why don't we get to a little sports? Because you know, I know you put the put your son to bed. I still got a few months before the daughter gets here. So we can get in more of this sports talk than maybe we will later on Excellent. in this podcast. But Keeping with that kind of draft theme, uh, the NBA is going on, and I butchered the segue because we're going to actually start with the finals. We'll get into the draft in a second, but let's start off with the NBA finals. And I got to wonder, and I've been wondering this a lot through these first three games of the NBA finals, does this mean more to the Warriors' legacy after winning the most games in NBA history, or does it mean more to LeBron James's legacy because there's a lot on the line for him as well in this finals yeah and this is such a difficult question because i think one of the things that should be exciting about this finals though the fact that in the first three games there's been very little action as far as competition goes three blowouts 
But I think that what the most interesting thing about this is, is what is at stake? I mean, you look at LeBron James, the last thing he wants to do is fall to two and four in the NBA Finals. Or if you're the Golden State Warriors, I think I heard Draymond Green say this, and I've heard other people echo similar sentiments, that if you win 73 games and you don't win a championship, you don't get a banner that says 73 wins in the regular season on it. That It doesn't become an afterthought because, I mean, we still talk about the Patriots and losing that Super Bowl after they had gone undefeated in the regular season. Uh, so I think that for for both of these these entities, LeBron and the Warriors, that it's really, really important. And I think it is the Warriors because no matter what happens to LeBron James, people are always going to doubt him. They're always going to have a reason to not like him. And for the Warriors, we know what happens when you can go back-to-back. I'm from Detroit, and as a little kid, I watched the bad boys do it. And then as a, as a late teenager and into early my 20s, I watched the Pistons win a championship and then come within five minutes of winning the second one, and they didn't do it. And it really did alter their legacy. So I think for a variety of reasons, it's the Warriors. But for me, it was really close. Look, I think the fact that they, the Warriors won their championship last year, that it means less to their legacy. If they were still trying to get their first championship since the 70s, I, I would agree with you. Now, would it take some of the luster off of being you know, the best team ever in a regular season in the NBA? Yes, but I think the fact that they came back from that 3-1 deficit against the Thunder and really made a statement there, helps solidify the legacy. If they wind up losing in dramatic fashion to LeBron James and he winds up recapturing the title of best player in the world, I don't think that tarnishes their legacy as much as it does if LeBron loses again in the finals. This guy is trying to win a championship for his hometown, a city that we all know can't win a title. They haven't won since since the 60s, yada, yada, yada. We've heard the whole thing. But if he falls to two and four in finals, there's no way he's ever going to be viewed as as great as Michael Jordan, which is the, the marker that he wants to be judged by and most great players want to be judged by. It's another year that he's disappointed his hometown. And then I think you add in the fact there is a legitimate chance that LeBron James leaves Cleveland again. I don't think it'll happen after this year, but he's likely going to sign another one-year deal uh, to, to put him in position for really big money next year. And I could see a scenario where if he loses here, he's two and four in the finals, they're going to blow up this roster and then if he doesn't win again next year, he's gone. He's going to go to Miami. He's going to go to New York. He's going to go somewhere where he can team up with the super friends again and and have an easier time than he's having in Cleveland. If he wins, I think it changes the entire dynamic and it changes the storyline of his career. Now he's got a better record in the finals. He's taken, he's come back against the greatest team in regular season NBA history, and he's won a championship for his hometown. There is much more on the line for LeBron James than there is for the Warriors right now. But you say the super friends as if like there's a chance that those three guys are going to play together again. I mean, well, I don't think it'll be those same three guys. I think we're looking at potentially some pairing up with Chris Paul or Carmelo Anthony. Dwayne Wade would likely be involved in that. It won't necessarily be the same group 
he had in Miami, but he's got that core group of guys that are his guys. And I think there's a a good chance that sometime in the not distant future, he's going to leave Cleveland again and ride out the rest of his career with his buddies and just enjoy the rest of it. I think the t- the clock is ticking on on Cleveland having LeBron there and getting a title. And it, it it means a lot to that city. It means a lot to him. It means a lot to the legacy that you're looking at with him because if he loses another finals, it's he's just going to be you know, one of those guys that had immense amount of talent but couldn't get over the hump without a lot of help. And and I think he needs it much more to be looked at as one of the greats of all time than the Warriors do to be looked at as one of the great teams of all time. They still will be looked at as one of those winning a title, coming back and winning 73. Sure, they'd fall, they'd fall short of a back-to-back title, but I don't think it hurts their legacy as much. All right, you talk about guys leaving, leaving Cleveland. Let's talk about Kevin Love. You look the other day, you hear these LVP comments about the least valuable player. He comes out of the lineup, and and they just demolished yesterday. They win by 30 points. Let's say Kevin Love is scapegoated out of Phoenix. Greg, you're up there in Phoenix. Do you want him on the roster? Not a chance, because the best-case scenario, if Kevin Love winds up in Phoenix, is there the Minnesota Timberwolves when Kevin Love was there. They're a team that doesn't make the playoffs, and you've got a guy that's viewed at as a star because he's having inflated numbers on a bad team. I've lived in this city my entire life. I bleed purple and orange. I worked for the organization for the last five years, and the last thing I want to see is more false hope from this from this team. You've got to commit to building the right way. Build through the draft and build around guys that are on Devin Booker's timetable. If you truly believe that he has the potential to be a star, you want to find one or two other guys on that timetable to be stars with him. And the lucky part about that time frame is it's right around the same time that this Warriors team will likely lose steam and not be as dominant of a force. You need to plan for the future. They say the old saying is, you know, insanity is when you do the same thing over and over again and expect different results this phoenix suns organization in its 48 years of history has never committed to building through the draft and building through youth and guess what in 48 years they've never been the bride they've always been the bridesmaid it is time to do something different commit to a true building process and try to do this right a band-aid like kevin love does not get this done a deal that i'd be much more interested in is if the Cavs want to get rid of kyrie irving and the Cavs are interested in one of the sun's point guards and one one or two of the draft picks that's a deal i'd consider because kyrie irving has true star potential hasn't fully realized it but he's 24 so he's much closer to Devin Booker's timetable at 19 where their primes could coincide and it could lead to a much better situation but Kevin Love is an inflated stats guy on bad teams and you've seen him with the Cavs he's never found his rhythm he's never looked like that dominant guy and I bet if you ask a lot of people in Cleveland they wish they had kept Wiggins rather than trading him for Love because they'd be in a better position now and in the future the Suns have to take that into consideration and don't go for that false hope 
Yeah, and you know, you really, you really sold me on that, Espo, because I've been saying for years that the Suns roster needs balance, but maybe I've been going about it the wrong way, and, and I thought you need to mix in. It's like you're making pancakes. You know, you have the, you have the dry ingredients, you have the wet ingredients, you mix them together, but, but maybe you're right. Maybe they don't need to go after these, these so-called stars that are going to come in and, and help them bridge the gap between the next generation and what's happening right now when you could just have you know, this, this new movement in food is farm to table, right? And the Suns, you're right, they've never really done that. And now you have this opportunity with this huge amount of draft picks and you scored last year with Devin Booker. I think he, I agree with you that he is going to be a tremendous talent. So I think you're right. And again, if you want to make a move for a younger guy, I mean, Kyrie Irving, you look at what he's done and it's hard to believe that he's only 24, but you're absolutely right. He has a long way to go and, and he's already made leaps and bounds. I know that, that you're right. He has not reached his full potential, but in games like last night, you see where he can be and what he can bring to the table. And, and Greg, that kind of brings us here to the draft where the Suns are going to have all kinds of options. And that's not just for this year. That's going forward the next couple of years. And, and that brings up the question, what do you do? You have two picks in the lottery. How do you execute? What do you look for? And, and I'm going to let you take this, and, and I'll respond to what you say because you're the expert here. Well, it's a twofold thing. You've got to find high potential athlete-wise. you got to look at what the ceiling is, and can this guy, does he have a chance to become a star in this league, especially when you're sitting at four? That's the question I ask. You Okay, from a player standpoint, does he have – a ceiling of being a potential star. I think a a dragon bender has that kind of potential. You know, that that's the name that I keep coming to because he's Mm -hmm. the guy that has that highest ceiling. And I'm looking for that. The other part of it is you have to look at, do they have high character? Because if they don't have high character, I don't trust that, that you're going to be able to reach that potential. You've you've seen guys come through this town. I know Markeith Morris comes to mind. He has a lot of talent, a lot of potential, but he didn't have the character to back it up. Kendall Marshall was another guy that they drafted that had talent, but really didn't have the character makeup to be able to do it. They need to find the right mix of this guy has a lot of athletic uh, basketball potential, but has his head screwed on straight. And that's what I like about Bender. Everything I've seen is he's the kind of guy that that has it together. And yeah, is there a bigger risk that maybe he he becomes a draft bust? Sure, but the the draft is a crapshoot. And anybody that tells you that they have it all figured out is full of crap. They yes. don't have it figured out. Even in front offices, they accept that there's a high amount of risk in the NBA draft and that what you're really doing is trying to mitigate that risk, trying to make sure that you do your due diligence in the background of a guy and understand who he is as a person and does he have the work ethic to reach that potential. And then you've got to trust your coaches. And the Sun staff is really, with Earl Watson, Nate Bjorkren, they're really geared towards player development. So they've got that part part in there. I don't like uh, Murray from Cal. I don't think he's a guy that has his head screwed on straight. Maybe he has the talent to potentially be a star, but you know, everybody says, oh, he's super smart. He plays chess. He's, he's a heady guy. 
But it comes off as cockiness to me where you look at a guy like Devin Booker, super confident, but doesn't come off as cocky, has his head screwed on straight, and that's why he saw such success. You need a guy like that, especially at number four. Maybe you take a bigger risk at 13 because you realize, okay, we have the number four pick. You hope that guy is closer to a, to a sure thing. And at 13, you go, we can take a bigger chance. Maybe we have some questions about the guy's character a little bit more, but that potential on the court is higher. Maybe you take a bigger swing there uh, in, in terms of guessing on that character, but you've got to find a guy with star potential at number four that has the right character. And I think Dragon Bender is that guy, or at least, as you said, it's a crapshoot, can be that guy. You mentioned the character. You don't hear a bad word about him. He's not even 19 years old, so he's got a lot of room to grow. And people think that he can be that next, that next big evolution in big men where they become more of that swing four and can step out and give you a little more work on the outside. Then you mentioned if they want to take a risk at 13 and go in that similar direction – like a like a Deontay Davis out of Michigan State, where he, what played one year of college basketball. He's six eleven, done well in private workouts. So I mean, private workouts are one on none. If you don't do well, I'd be worried about you. <laughs> yes, but 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 again, look at a, one of the nation's best shot blockers last year. I think that you get similar guys, but again, one more of a sure thing, one more of a risk. And then at the end of the first round, I mean, at that point, Greg, do you do you make a pick? Do you make a stash pick? Do you see if you can trade that pick? I mean, you're not going to have three guys on rookie contracts in the first round, right? I mean, that's no, not going to happen. You're not. You'll likely draft and stash. I would have no problem if they took that late uh, first round pick that came. That's coming from Cleveland by way of of Boston, uh, and their number thirty four pick at the beginning of the second round, and maybe package it. For some team, maybe really wants some talent at the tail end and package it for a future first round or, or do something like that where you're deferring that pick. You're using those assets to put you in a position later on to succeed, but you're not going to bring in four rookies onto this roster. Two is probably the limit with maybe a, you know, a draft and stash guy in Europe. And going back to that number four pick, I know a lot of people talk about about Dunn uh, having uh, some of the highest upside in this draft, but you cannot take a point guard. I don't oh care God. if your plan is to trade one <laughs> of these point guards. You just can't do it. It's not It's not advantageous to the chemistry with your group. It's not your biggest need, and it's not the position that I think has the biggest, uh, highest ceiling, which is power forward. Uh, the Celtics pick and what they do with that is going to determine a lot throughout the draft, and especially with the Suns pick. There's rumors that that they like Bender. There's rumors they may yes. trade out for somebody else that, that wants Bender. Uh, so that's going to be a huge thing. And if you're really in a mode where you want to swing for the fences and you want to try to get a guy that's in that superstar potential space, I pick up the phone and I call Philly and I go, what's it going to take to get number one? I'll give you four. I'll give you 13. Heck, maybe I'll even throw in in a player like a TJ Warren or a future first round pick. And I take a chance on a Ben Simmons because he's probably the one guy in the draft 
that has the chance to be a true superstar uh, and and fit that mold. Now, I'm not sure that the character's there because if you look at it, his, I can't remember a first-round pick, that a number one pick, that didn't get his team to the tournament. And a lot of blame's gone on the coach, but at some point, some of what happened is on Ben Simmons as well. But if you're really looking for that potential boomer bust pick, maybe I pick up that phone and I take that chance because that's definitely going to be a guy that fits with with Devin Booker's time frame and it puts you in an interesting position. I, I wouldn't be opposed to that move as well. But if you're if you're staying at number four, you gotta hope that the Celtics go with a Dunn or take a take a swing at a uh, Marquise Chris, who's a guy that's moved up a lot of people's boards and has high, high potential, but has a, has a good chance of being a bust as well. He's one of those, you're going to get one end of the spectrum uh, with that guy. Maybe they take a reach on that, but I really want to see Bender in a Suns uniform. Yeah, maybe Boston takes a flyer on uh, Jamal Murray as well. I just... To close this conversation, or at least this part of this conversation out, I, I agree with what you're saying and taking a swing at number one. I just don't think after all Philly went through that they're going to give up that number one pick. I think that they mean, I think picking first in this draft symbolizes the process that they've kind of haphazardly fallen through and then adjusted themselves to. And I think that they feel like this is the fruits of their labor, and I just don't see them coughing it up. Well, I, I think the fans feel that, but you're dealing with a new front office with Brian sure. Colangelo in there rather than Hinky, and he might have he might have a blueprint that a Ben Simmons or that number one pick doesn't fit in, and and maybe you get lucky in that sense. I highly doubt it. It's a pipe dream to be honest, but I wouldn't be opposed to taking a big swing like that because it actually fits in the plan of of building for the long term and honestly to be an NBA contender championship contender you've got to have luck I, I look at the Warriors if they had traded Clay Thompson for Kevin Love they're not the Warriors we know if Steve Kerr decides to take the Knicks job rather than taking the Warriors job they're not the Warriors team we knew uh, if Steph's ankles don't wind up, uh, you know, if he doesn't change everything about the way he works out and the way he runs and those ankles are faulty, they don't become the team that, that they were. Or if they trade him to the Suns on draft night like they had agreed to in principle, they're not the Warriors we know. So luck is a very big part of this. So I'm all for taking chances with young talent if you can do that. Let's switch gears to baseball, and I don't want to get into, and when you and I have talked about Shelby Miller, the Diamondbacks problems, all those, I don't want to fully get into a nah. straight-on baseball discussion because we'll put everybody to sleep, including ourselves. <laughs> but I, I want to know, and we've talked, you and I have debated this and, and on Twitter and in text. We've talked about this, but I really wanted to talk to you in, uh, on this show about it, is what's more important being fan friendly or being good and being a good team on the field. There's been some debate that the Diamondbacks as a franchise are more concerned with being good to the fans and not being good on the field. Uh, a lot of it came up when they uh, they did their their video to Justin Timberlake's it can't stop the feeling. It's been a critique over the years. Where do you stand on this issue? 
And I, I do think that at times the Diamondbacks have put more importance on being fan-friendly and worrying about um, promotions and, and other things than actual baseball. Though I will say, Greg, you mentioned Shelby Miller and then, of course, Zach Greinke. It's hard for me to say that with as much conviction today because they did do some things in this offseason. But I grew up, I'll use this example. I grew up in Michigan, right? And sometimes when you're driving in the wintertime, you hit a patch of ice and your car goes hard to the left. And what do you want to do? Take your steering wheel and go hard to the right. Well, that's actually the worst thing you could do. What you want to do is turn with your car. So what happens here is the Diamondbacks slip on some ice over the last few years. They haven't done all that well, right? I mean, since they won the division in 2011, it's been a pretty steep decline pretty quickly. And so what they've done is they've overcorrected, and like people would back home on an icy road, they flipped their car over. And the car that flipped over was Shelby Miller. And look, today I heard that he's in high A Visalia, and then he, you know, nine up, nine down, seven strikeouts. But until he can do that at, against batters that matter, I don't really care to hear that. So what I think the Diamondbacks have done in the past, where they said, well, you know, we don't want to spend the money to be good. What if we could focus our efforts on making things like churro dogs or um, the D-Bat dog? And then these things are cool, and also we can charge $25 for them and make a ton of money. Or we can build this pool in the outfield or we can let fans bring their dogs in. That'll help sell tickets. Well, you know what really helps sell tickets? Winning. They, they don't have these problems in places. We talked about the NBA a minute ago in Cleveland, in Golden State. They don't have problems selling tickets. They don't have to do promos. All they have to do is show pictures or highlights of, of their team crushing their opponent. People say, ah, I can't get enough of this. And, and I know you're going to tell me that there needs to be a balance, but I would argue the Diamondbacks have never had that balance. They're either too far to one side or too far to the other side. and So maybe you get an average of balance, but in reality, you never actually hit the middle. You're always to one extreme. Now, you know what I'm going to tell you? I feel sorry for your lady friend there, because if you treat relationships the way you want the Diamondbacks to treat baseball, she's not getting any flowers. There's no jewelry <laughs> going her way. You're going... I'm bringing home money. I'm taking care of things. That's all that matters because I'm a business-minded guy and I'm taking care of business. There's no finesse. So there are no there's nothing for you, sweetheart, except this the satisfaction of knowing you're with Zach Clark. All right. That's what you it. want the Diamondbacks to do. And I came from, believe me, I spent five years of my career in a five-year span that was the worst in Suns history. So I understand what it's like trying to work for a bad team and coming up with ways that you can try to keep the fan base happy. And it is it is a balance. And that is why in professional sports, you usually have a setup where there is a team-focused side, basketball operations, baseball operations, whatever the case may be, whatever the sport. You know, for the Diamondbacks in their case, it's Tony LaRusso's group running baseball. And then you've got Derek Hall's group running the business side of things, trying to find creative ways to get people in the ballpark and to make people like your team. And it is key to have both because if one side is failing, the other side needs to be succeeding. And in this case, if the baseball side is failing, the business side sure as hell better know how to make this team fan-friendly because if you are unlikable and bad, it's the worst place you can be. And I can say that for well-knowing, having been through it. If you are unlikable and you are bad at your sport, your team is going to be 
in, in, in peril, quite frankly, because you are now not operating at a high level on either end. And I give the Dimebacks a hell of a lot of credit for finding creative ways to at least stay top of mind with their fan base and around the league when their team is still struggling. And I get it, okay? Releasing a fun, lighthearted music video when your team's seven games out of first place when they were talking World Series at some point maybe isn't the best look. But if you take a close look at that video, it wasn't any of the coaching staff. It wasn't any of the players. It was legends. It was front office people. It was people that work on the business side. So I have absolutely no problem with that. Hell, they even got Justin Timberlake to tweet about them and talk about how cool it was that the Diamondbacks were doing this. It gives you cachet with your fan base. It gives you cachet in the national media mindset. And when your team is floundering and the best thing you got going for you is every once in a while the Zach Grinke of old shows up, you need that. You need those kind of things because Paul Goldschmidt isn't going to be in the MVP discussion this year. You aren't going to be the darlings. You're not a surprising team. You're a team that's missing expectations, so you damn well better be doing something good. And at least they've got that business side figured out. And see, I can't argue with that because you're right. You do want to be able to have something to show for what you did this season. And maybe it's because we made fan improvements or we got Justin Timberlake to acknowledge us and, and a million people saw this video. I, I, don't, I don't begrudge that because I'm not anti-having fun. I know that from my perspective, it may seem like I am. I, I'm not anti-giant hot dog or things made out of ice cream. Those are amazing. I love dogs. I've got one myself. But sometimes I wonder, Greg, if – the balance just isn't right. That that maybe for a while they said, well, I don't think we can win, so we're just going to focus on this and turn our backs on on the game itself because that's what it looks like. That's what the record shows. When you look back 10 years from now, you'll see big hot dogs and dogs in the outfield, and then you'll see a team that's average of 17 and a half games under 500 for the last five years. And so that's why I, I question where the focus is and where it should be. Well, and that, that's I, just me. I get the performance questions because, yeah, it's been damn tough to watch Diamondbacks baseball over the last half decade. It has not been pretty. And and there's been times where there's been a lot of potential, like coming into this season. But I'm going to let you, and let's keep this between you and I. Don't, don't tell any of the listeners out there, but <laughs> I know the dirty little secret about sports because having worked in sports – I got the behind-the-scenes look at it all. Okay, lay it on me. It's business. It's not about... It's In the end, winning and losing is is well and great, but it comes down to, are you making money? It's the dirty little secret about sports, and fans don't want to accept it. Media doesn't like talking about it because it isn't sexy, but it is a fact. And then you add in the other fact that they might be going into a political battle to try to figure out whatever the heck the problem with the with the ballpark is. And I Which think I, this, by the way, I can't figure out what it could be. I don't it's think it's stadium. I don't think it's anything right now. I think this is all about the future and they want control of that building so they can uh, tap into that some of that revenue and some of the the different things moving forward. This isn't a play about right now. They look at the landscape and they go, all right, Coyotes are trying to get a building. Suns are trying to get a building. How do we ensure that we get a slice of this pie before it's too late? Because 
it's going to be too late soon. People are going to rebel against public money going to these ballparks or arenas at some point, and you got to get it under the gun. And that's what the Diamondbacks are trying to do. And if you are an unlikable team and a losing team, you're not going to win that political battle. But if you've got some goodwill around town, you're kind of cool, even though you may not be winning. That's going to help you in politics because as we've seen, it's basically a popularity contest. It's not about uh, you know what's right or wrong necessarily. That's part of why they're doing this because you've got to be popular with in the marketplace for those reasons as well. Because if, a, if you're not I, making money and you're not making political favors, you're going to be in a world of hurt. I had a Spaceballs flashback there. You said it was going to be too late soon. When will it be now? Soon. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. I get that you have to play the game and that you're positioning yourself for 2023, 2025, right? Because you, you want to have that money in hand before you actually need it. You want to have an agreement that says, here's what we're going to do to help you. Here's what we can, here's what we can do. I mean, if you look at where um, formerly B.O.B. now Chase is, there's a decent amount of space behind it. So let's say you wanted to build a new stadium a block or two over, and then you wanted to make the, where the stadium was into a parking lot or, or whatever. You could do that. There's room for that in that part of downtown Phoenix right there on the edge. So I understand all of that, but you talk about making money Greg, how much money do you make when you have 12,000 people in the seats? And I'm telling you, they're not going to show up to eat $25 hot dogs. They, they want to show up to watch people win games. I, I totally understand from where you're coming. I just I think that, that winning can be smart business but, and that winning is smart business. But look, I don't, I don't disagree with that. But even when the Diamondbacks were winning, go back and look at some of those attendance figures in, in 01 and, and 02 during the week. It's always been a soft market. You're even Fair. with winning, you're still going to have okay. Maybe you go from twelve to to nineteen, but if you're not doing these fan friendly things too, you might be dipping towards ten, maybe nine, and now right. you're really, really hurting there. And, and you bring up being in a position you know, to have that money in twenty twenty five. Well, maybe that's when they win again too. So it all come full <laughs> circle for it. at that point. Zach, I think I think that's it. I think that's putting a bow on the first episode of Pardon the Screaming. How, how do you think we did? Now, I know you do this on a daily basis, and I'm kind of the novice here, so feel free to rip me if you need to. No, I think this was great. Look, here's what we don't want to do. This is supposed to be lively and entertaining. This is not supposed to be taken all that seriously. When we talk about the sports, we mean what we say and we know what we're talking about, but this is all about having fun and just you and I having a conversation with those out there about things that we all enjoy and things we can all relate to. And I think, I think we hit the person out of the ballpark. I think it, it went so well, we should do it again. I say we try. Maybe maybe we even attempt weekly. I don't know. With kids, who knows if we're actually going to be able to keep up on that schedule. <laughs> but it sounds like a pretty good plan. And you mentioned a, a conversation. We want fans to get in on the conversation. If you have any thoughts on your power rankings for, for baby showers or the Suns when it comes to the draft, LeBron and the Warriors legacy, or even the Dimebacks topic we talked about, you can actually tweet the show. Oh, oh, we got a Twitter handle. It's That's at right. Pardon Screaming. And you can tweet us there. You can actually see the show logo there as well. I'm, I'm actually quite proud of that. The best $5 I've ever spent, Zach. It, it is a fine-looking logo. You can also tweet 
Zach. It's at Zach E. Clark. That's with an H. Don't Thank do any you. of this K crap no way. in there because that's for losers. Let's be <laughs> honest. And Diamondbacks pitchers agree because there are no Ks when it comes to Diamondbacks pitching Hey-o. lately. Yeah, I went there. You can also reach me at Espo. That is E-S-P-O. Uh, subscribe to the show. If, if you just found this uh, online on SoundCloud or something, check it out. We are on the No Character Limits Network on iTunes. So search No Character Limits. You will find the show there. And uh, and who knows? Maybe we'll work some partners into this uh, at some point as well. So don't forget, if you're, if you're in Tucson or you have an internet connection, because I know that that's a popular thing, you can actually listen to Zach on a weekly basis, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 Arizona time on ESPN Tucson. It's the Zach Clark show because apparently he didn't have a more creative name than that. I'm just so narcissistic. I just love hearing my own name said <laughs> ad nauseum. The, the sad thing is it actually is spelled Z-A-C-K. Uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's totally off-brand. But you can, listen to you can listen to him uh, on the Zach Clark show. You can hear him here weekly with me on Pardon the Screaming. So for Zach Clark, I am Greg Esposito, and we'll talk to you next time.